Betfolio Boys friends, thanks for tuning in. We've got another great episode for you from the one and only First Financial Bank. You've probably heard me talk with Dr. Swanda Flowers and Ashley Moore before. We've joined up for multiple podcasts, live webinars. Every time I talk to them, my brain just starts spinning with all the amazing opportunities for practice growth, expansion, acquisition. I love it. So for this episode, I was joined again by Ashley Moore to break things down a little bit further. In the past, we've discussed the concepts around acquiring a practice loan, the impact student loans and personal loans have on our ability to secure a practice loan, et cetera, et cetera. But for this one, we talked about three different types of practices, mobile, single doctor, and multi-doctor, and what that loan and return on investment would really look like for each of these practice models. Ashley Moore has over a decade of experience in growing successful business startups. She's worked with veterinary practices across the country and is passionate about their results. Before joining the first financial team, she worked with various small businesses as the creator of launch and expansion strategies that have achieved exponential growth. Let's go ahead and get into our episode, but before we do, a little legal disclaimer from First Financial. This podcast includes examples and does not guarantee identical outcomes. First Financial Bank does not guarantee loan approval, rates, or terms. Each situation must be evaluated separately. First Financial Bank, member FDIC. With that being said, we do get into some specific examples that just kind of give us an idea of what these practice loans would really look like. All right, let's go ahead and get into it. Well, I'm back today with Ashley Moore from First Financial Bank. Ashley, thank you for coming back on. It's always so great to talk to you. Of course. Thank you for having me. I love love talking to you as well. So today we're talking about student loans in a little bit more detail. And we've talked about this a little bit in the past, but we're going to take a little bit different approach. So kind of kicking it off, what we've talked about in the past is kind of the logistical aspects of having student loans when you're trying to secure a practice loan, namely that having student loans won't hurt your chances of securing a practice loan. But what we haven't talked about is there's this huge emotional impact when we're thinking about taking out a large practice loan and going, gosh, I already have all these student loans. How am I going to pay back all of this money? So can you talk about some of the feedback you've gotten regarding this idea and what you would say to, I mean, somebody like me who has these types of concerns? Right, right. I mean, taking on any large debt can be extremely intimidating, especially when you already feel like you're starting off, you know, oh gosh, (laughs) veterinarians can be hundred, 200 plus thousand dollars in debt to take on several hundreds more, if not you know, a greater amount. So what I will say is that when we're looking at a business or we're looking at you as a borrower, we're looking at that global debt service. And what that means is that we're taking into account every debt that you have both personally and with the business. So we're going to make sure that that business can facilitate your loan from the bank, all of the expenses with the business, as well as your personal debts, your student loans, your mortgage, your car payment, everything. So we're really taking all of those into account. And when we're looking at it, we're we're not going to set you up for failure. We're not going to set you up with something that that business can't or isn't expected to handle. So 
really, you know, taking on that additional debt when, when you're looking at it from a practice owner standpoint, you're looking at potentially doubling, if not tripling your income. So you may be taking on, you know, it's, it's an intimidating, scary thing when you're looking at taking on that additional debt. But when you look at the, the payout of it, not only you're going to be set up to be able to pay for that practice, but also potentially pay off your student loans quicker, pay off your other expenses. And then also, you know, it, it really is the, the quickest way to financial freedom. Well, it sounds really great. <laughs> I know, right? When you put it that way, the, the backside of that, once you get over the intimidation factor sounds really great. Right, right. Yeah. And I mean, it's, again, it, it's hard whenever you're looking at it, you know, kind of adding up all of those numbers. But when you look at the potential for income versus that net amount after you pay all of those expenses and all of those debts, that amount that's still going into the bank, you're, you're setting yourself up for financial freedom a lot faster. Absolutely. Absolutely. Kind of one of these, you got to spend money to make money. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Which is like a nice snappy saying, but it's still a little scary. No, but... and it's, Right. Right. And then, and that's, I mean, I think we'd be a little bit shocked if somebody wasn't questioning, <laughs> questioning, <laughs> taking out another couple hundred thousand dollars or a million dollars or whatever the case may be. You know, it, I think it's a good thing to be cautious and we tell everybody to make sure you have a full financial picture before you jump into one of these things. And that financial picture of where you sit personally, as well as the business. And, and I think that that definitely applies here too, when making sure that you're ready and it's not such a, a scary endeavor. Absolutely. And I kind of like what you said there about, you would be shocked if somebody didn't have a little bit of trepidation in this situation where, you know, like anything in life, having a healthy degree of caution, a healthy degree of respect for what you're doing, but not necessarily letting that paralyze you. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, we hear all the time people afraid to kind of take that step. And that's the number one reason why people won't go for it. They've wanted to own, you know, that was kind of their goal whenever they went into vet school was to own their practice one day and just being afraid or, feeling like there's that possibility of failing is what stops them. And we've had people who have gotten past, you know, the first couple of steps and then gotten to the point where it, it's time to kind of go all in and they step back and stop. And it's important to remember the veterinary world is, I mean, there's nothing that's pandemic proof and you should have some trepidation as, as you mentioned, but we're not going to set you up for failure. And I think it's important to remember that. Absolutely. Absolutely. That everything is set up to, to help you succeed. And gosh, pandemic proof is a phrase that we never thought we'd have such familiarity right? with. But right. It's, it's, it's amazing how, how much growth has been yeah. in the veterinary world in the past couple of years versus everything else. I mean, it's, it's really, yeah. really intense. It is. It is. So let's break this down a little bit more specifically and talk about you know, really what it would look like very practically for somebody to take out a practice loan, starting with a practice model that's near and dear to my heart, which is mobile practice. Yes. So what type of options would someone have taking out a loan for a mobile practice? And what would be the considerations in that practice model as far as return on investment? So mobile practices, I think, I mean, they are taking off and becoming so, so popular within the veterinary space and you know, with with owners. And I think what's great about mobile practices is that a lot of times 
people can start without a large investment. You can use your personal vehicle and some inventory and, you know, you can do some basic house calls. If we're looking at really going all in and doing, you know, fully tricked out pretty much practice on wheels with the surgical (laughs) suite and things like that, we've seen them anywhere roughly two to $300,000. But what's great about these units is that loan that we provide for those actually expands over 10 years. So it's not like a car note where it's, you know, typically three to five years and you got to pay all of that back within that time. So it expands over 10 years. And so when you're looking at say a $300,000 loan, you're roughly looking at a $3,000 a month payment for that, which can sound a little bit scary, right? But when you're looking at the total amount that you can potentially take in, when you look at a, a typical associate salary, for example, you know, say roughly $90,000, you can absolutely double, possibly more with just having one of these mobile units, because you're able to perform those surgeries or whatever you want within that unit. So when you're looking at the actual net after all of those expenses, and that takes into account your veterinary salary, every expense that goes into that practice, your note on the vehicle itself, all of those things, it, it, the net can potentially be double what you were making. And and that's, again, taking in all of your personal expenses as well. So a mobile practice is definitely a great jumping off point or a great practice type just in general moving forward to kind of you know, not put such a huge investment in, but really, really get that ROI out of it as well. And on top of that, it gives you the opportunity as the vet to practice the way you want to. You're your own boss. You can set your own schedule. You can, you know, it it gives you that, that freedom to do that as well. Well, Ashley, here we are once again with us having a conversation (laughs) and now I'm like, okay, now I need to think about expansion and right, right, right. Well, what's great about that too, in, in this case as well, when you qualify as an expansion, as a vet practice, and you can do this with a mobile practice too, it does not have to be in brick and mortar, that's zero money down. Yeah. So even if you start with a mobile practice, you want to expand to another unit or whatever the case is, or you start in your SUV and you want to buy a a full tricked out mobile unit, you can do so. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. With no money down because of that expansion aspect there. Right. Oh my goodness. Okay. I need, (laughs) I need to stop my wheels from turning here for a minute and go back to the conversation. Go back to this, right? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Now, let me ask you when we're talking about say like a a mobile practice or really any of these practice loans, I'm assuming like with brick and mortar type of practice loans, we are accounting for staff. Does that also translate to mobile units? Like, is that loan taking into account just the mobile unit or would that take into account staff as well? Right. So, I mean, that can be built out however you want. So when we're looking at those expenses of the unit, that takes into account all of the staff, the salaries and all of those things. So if you need working capital to pay those first couple months of expenses or whatever the case is, we will take that into account with the loan. So it works just the same, but we're going to treat it very much the same or similarly to a brick and mortar practice. Okay. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. So same type of questions. Let's take them now and translate them to like a smaller single doctor location. Absolutely. So when you're talking about just the practice, you know, say you have a space already, but you need to build it out with the equipment and everything like that. 
roughly we're looking at probably five to 700,000, depending on what type of equipment or if it's an existing practice already and you're just doing some upgrades or whatever the case is. Because you're looking at a, a typical revenue from a single doctor is about 600,000 a year. So that's pretty standard for the cost of a single doctor practice. With that, you're looking at about a monthly payment around 6,000. That can vary a little bit, of course, but again, that is on a 10-year note if it's just for the practice. So that's spanned out over 10 years. When you're looking at those single doctor practices, obviously you're more than likely generating a little bit higher revenue than what you would with a mobile practice. Not always, but typically with a brick and mortar, you're scheduling those appointments on Monday through Saturday schedule or whatever the case may be. So there is a higher potential for income. We see a lot of times, again, people doubling, tripling the net income they would have as an associate. And again, that takes into account that loan to the bank, all of the expenses of that practice. So if there's maintenance requirements or advertising for the clinic, or, you know, again, as you mentioned, staffing, those types of things that takes into account that as well as your personal expenses. So that net on that global can increase, you know, three times when you're looking at these. So as an example, after expenses, it's not uncommon for it to be 150,000 plus net income after, you know, your veterinary salary and all of that. Goodness gracious. I mean, they've told us this starting in school and then, you know, here <laughs> you and I have talked about it. Swanda has, has joined the conversation and echoed yeah. the same thing. It's gotta be true, right? <laughs> right, right. Well, I mean, there's there's definitely some amazing real life examples, <laughs> I would sure. say, of people who have, have done this over and over again and, and <laughs> vets who have well exceeded these expectations, I will say, and, you know, expanded and done fantastic things with their practices. So along those lines, like you said, people who have, have taken and done this over and over again, eventually I would imagine they get into a spot where they're willing to take on a little bit bigger risk. And so let's talk about the example that sounds super intimidating <laughs> to me. And that's a large multi-doctor practice. I mean, I would imagine right. we're getting into the millions here. Uh, typically. Yeah. So if you think about it again, with say a per doctor revenue average is 600,000. And when we're valuing these practices at that multipliers of say five times of what that net income is after, yeah, you, you can expect to get into the, you know, close to, if not surpassing a million dollars with, with multi-doctor practices. But with that, that earning potential increases as well. So you have to remember that when you're, you know, you're multiplying the number of doctors, you're multiplying that net income too from each of, sure. from that income that's coming as well. So that debt amount might look a little scarier, but that overall potential just increases along with it. And maybe you're not working every single day. Yeah. I mean, doctors. that's helpful, right? That's <laughs> yes. helpful, right? <laughs> I mean, the one thing I will say with multi-doctor practices, and I think you and I have touched on this before you and I and Swanda, is that you're getting into the potential to be competing with some corporate entities for these types sure. of practices. So you definitely want to be careful there. You don't want to be getting into these crazy multipliers that some of these corporates are willing to pay. Right. You don't want to get into a competition with them. But I mean, that's what's great about expansion, though is that you, you start with your own practice and then you just keep adding and building and building 
And then you're not competing against the corporates. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And that goes back to what you and Swanda have repeated over and over again about when, you know, we're talking about this stuff is don't get emotional about exactly, it. Exactly. Exactly. And, and I mean, in, in, in fairness, it's definitely hard not to. Sure. Especially if you've been working at a practice, you have your eyes set on taking over or something like that. But the opportunity will always, you always have an opportunity. It will always be there and it might just take a little bit more time, but you'll find the right place. Kind of, And I mean, haven't we all had those examples in life of exactly. it may not look exactly like what you pictured, but it's still, you know, it's maybe even better than what you pictured. Exactly. Exactly. So we've talked several times about purchasing the real estate along with the building when we're talking about a brick and mortar practice. So yes. can you remind us about the advantages of owning real estate along with the practice? Absolutely. So when you look at the real estate purchase, if that real estate makes up the majority of the transaction, so 51% or more, that loan term extends out to 25 years. What that means is that you might take on another five, six hundred thousand dollars in debt. We're just say it's a single doctor practice, your six hundred thousand dollars went up to a million or whatever the case is. Instead of that loan term being 10 years it extends out to 25 years. So that monthly debt and that monthly cash flow remains much the same, if not, you know, greater cash flow. So you have that monthly payment extends out with that 25 years as well. If it's less than 51%, if there's any real estate within that transaction, it becomes a blended term. So it increases from 10 years to 15, 20, again, up to 25. Okay. I know it, it's so people get afraid of that real estate because they're looking at that huge number. Yeah. When in reality, that monthly debt remains much the same. Absolutely. Like same monthly payment, just right. It, it, oh, obviously extended right. over a longer period of time. But then you have this. Am I using this word correctly? Like then you have this tangible asset. Exactly. You've been talking to us too much. I'm learning. <laughs> yeah, what, I mean, did, what word did I use last time? Collateralize. I'm learning so many words. Right. Right. Well, and, and that's another important one in, in this scenario. So you do have that tangible asset against, say on your balance sheet, if you will, you have that tangible asset now. So you have that building, you own it. So you can use it as collateral in your loan. It's, you know, because a lot of times, I mean, if, if you're a newer vet, you may not have a mortgage yet. You may not have a lot of those personal tangible assets that you can use as collateral to put up against this practice, right? So this gives you that opportunity to have that and makes the loan stronger. Okay. For so that'll help you collateralize that loan. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. And then on top of that, you can actually set it up. So you're paying yourself rent. So oh, when you have, yeah. So when you have, when you're that building, you can set it up. So you're paying yourself back that rent. So that just comes back into your cash flow. Oh my goodness. Uh, like yeah. wheels are spinning again. Right. Right. <laughs> so again, I mean, people get intimidated by looking at practice plus real estate whenever they see just that practice number being significantly lower a lot of times. And they're like, you know what? I'll start here or whatever right. the case is. And in, in some cases it makes sense just because a lot of times if you're just starting out, whether it's a startup or an acquisition, the required cash injection or down payment is 10%. Okay. And when you add those numbers together, it's not always feasible to have that, you know, if it's a million dollars, $100,000 cash injection. Sure. So sometimes it makes sense to maybe buy the practice. And then once it's time to expand two years down the road or what the case is, then buy the real estate. 
and, and roll it in that way. So that's another option to get to that, that end goal of having that real estate piece. But if all the stars align and you have the cash injection and that real estate is available along with the practice, we always recommend go for it. Absolutely. And you know, one thing I've really learned from talking to you and talking to Swanda is we don't have to be loan officers in this ordeal. You know, you guys are there right. for us who right. can see all the moving parts and pieces of this and help guide us through as far as Absolutely. how we'll be able to make that monthly payment and how we'll be able to, to take care of that loan. I think you guys call it servicing the loan, right? Correct. Correct. Yep. Yes. All the words I'm learning. All the you words. are, you, <laughs> do I need to be here? I'm yes, hundred <laughs> percent. No Just doubt kidding. there, <laughs> but yeah, that you guys are there for us and can help us figure out all the moving parts and pieces and how they fit right. together in a way that's going to work for, you know, us as practice owners for our families and not put us in a bad spot financially. That's exactly right. I mean, we do not at all expect you to be the experts, the financial piece. You guys are clinicians you've went to school for many, many years and are experts at what you do, we'll be the experts at what we do and guide you down the right path. We're never going to set you up. If you come to us with something that just doesn't make sense, we're going to tell you the truth and we're going to make sure that, you know, we're helping you and guiding you. And if your goal is practice ownership, we're more than happy to help. And I just want to clarify a couple of things that I heard you say that I did a business externship in school and they taught us all about this stuff, or it was a whole business certificate course. And I think there's probably a lot of us that, that understand the way these numbers work, but just in case what you were talking about with the $600,000 being the average revenue that, you know, one full-time equivalent veterinarian generates, right. And our salary should be. 20% of that. And so that's where you're talking about that multiplier by five. Right, right, right. So the multiplier, when I'm talking about that is essentially the value of that practice. So when you're looking at it, a, a model that was previously used used to be just that gross income times one, and that's it. But that's been kind of outdated. And because veterinary clinics have a very unique set of expenses <laughs> sure, and a very unique model, I guess, for lack of a better way to put it. And so when you're looking at the overall value, it's more, we take five times the net income after we add back interest and rent and those types of things. So it's like five times EBITDA, if you're familiar with that. Oh, that word went beyond me, but I will learn that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's earnings after interest and taxes and rent and things are added back in. Gotcha. Gotcha. And so that's where you're saying like, don't get into these crazy multipliers, right, like kind of right. stay in that realistic field that we can work exactly, with. Exactly. Because what's going to happen, a lot of these corporates are putting multipliers into the point where it doesn't cash flow. So, and that's, you know, the most important thing is that cash flow. That's your ability to service the debt. That's your ability to pay all of your expenses. And that's your ability to take home that money at the end of the day. Sure. So when we're looking at a practice and the typical multiplier is five times and they're putting in 15, 20 times, <laughs> it, it takes away a lot of those, a lot of that ability to pay all of those things and then take home that money at the end of the day. So, and that's why we say never get into a bidding war. They have deep pockets. They're able to do that. Sure. And another opportunity will be there that doesn't have the same issue. 
So it sounds like, you know, kind of like I said earlier, what we've been told all along that practice ownership is the quickest path to financial freedom. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, it allows you to pay back your student loans faster because at the end of the day, you're taking home more money. It allows you to kind of do, I mean, not everybody's goal is to own a home or, you know, whatever, but whatever your financial goals are, it allows you to get there quicker and easier. And yeah, definitely the fastest way to financial freedom. Goodness gracious. I am going to have to call you and be like, all right, (laughs) let's talk about this. Either way. I hope everybody who's joined us learned a lot from this. I always learn so much when I sit down and talk to you guys. So Ashley, thank you so much for coming back on the podcast. It's always a pleasure to have you. Oh, thank you for having me. We Swanda and I both, we love talking to you and, and definitely look forward to doing it again. Ashley, thank you so much again for joining us. It's been fantastic as always. Thank you to First Financial Bank for sponsoring this episode and to all of you for tuning in. For more episodes like this, click on the education tab on the Vetfolio website. As always, we'd love to hear your input on this episode as well as ideas for what you'd like to hear in the future. Feel free to reach out to me at dvm at vetfolio.com. You can also visit my Facebook page at Dr. Cassie DVM, and you can find me on LinkedIn. And remember, if one animal is better off because of you today, it's a great day.